started before I even knew it was started. Do you know what I mean? If you get a feeling of it. So that feeling of being you, let's just remove the you and just sense that feeling. That feeling, yeah, is the presence, really. Yeah? When the presence is called you, immediately the presence is made into an object, which is not what it is, yes. It's just, let's say, pure subjectivity or awareness, yeah? Now that presence is easily hidden because it's made it made into an object to you as the present. Yeah? You're the subject. Once that happens, what was nothing is now put into a dynamic of two. You as the one who's going to get that as an advantage for you as this. Yeah? So then maybe you want to say, okay, well I'm going to realize that there's only the presence, but in fact there's neither. presence is given a name to us when we're in this situation. We conceptualize things. And those things, the best they can be are indicators or pointers. They cannot possibly capture what's so. Yeah? So sometimes a pointer, like they always would say it in spiritual groups, you know, don't take the, the uh, signpost to be it. Yes? They're indicators. You know what I mean? They indicate something in a very feeble manner. But it's sort of like an invitation. If And the mail slot is like conceptualized. So when people come here, there's the envelope is conceptual, yeah? You're giving them an idea of something. Conceptual, right? And so the it has to seem to be in that envelope for the message to get through. But the message isn't conceptual. It's inside the envelope. The envelope gets past the, the sentinel, so to speak. And now you're starting to feel like, I, I think I can know this. I, can, I think I can have it. I think I can get this. Yeah? That's all like the disability of conceptualizing. Yeah? It's like everyone is disabled when you're identified with this mind, the conditional mind. Because everything gets conceptualized for it to be known. It can't be, it can't be sensed. It has to be known. And for it to be known, it's, made, it's objectified and made into something. Yeah? And this whole message or invitation is nothing. No thing. No thing. No thing. When, when the conditional mind hears about no thing, it makes it into something. Yeah? Called no thing. Yeah? Even when I'm indicating it, that's not it. But you're using no thing to indicate something. At least indicate something uh, inherently different than something, in a way. So that the mind can just sort of, the way it sees is an activity, but that activity produces sort of like a sense of a pair of glasses. And that pair of glasses is how you see things here. Yeah? And it's, and how we see things is a form of looking called self-centeredness. Yeah? And there's a lot of subdivisions of self-centeredness, but basically, when when awareness is seen to be something the object or the subject is doing as a body, yeah, that's a way of looking. That's not seeing. Seeing is there. Seeing is providing everything. Yeah, Seeing not meaning visual, I mean awareness. But when that seeing is claimed by the mental process, yeah, I'm the one who's aware, that's a form of looking. The looking, every time you apply the looking to try to find the seeing, that's an activity of being blind. Yeah? The looking is never going to be able to see the seeing. Because it is the seeing. 
but it's being called looking, yeah? So right while it's looking, that's what you're looking for. But you can't get that because you're looking. <laughs> if you realize I'm not the looker, you'd have the sense of seeing, and that would be that. And once the sense of seeing is entertained, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, downloads will occur, and then the mind will come out of that yogic posture of being a body, you know, this self-little thing, and come out, and it's in this coming out, that's the entertaining of the message. It's not like a you that entertains the message. It's, the un, it's like the unfurling of that, men, yeah, of the mind. It's, that's it. That's it becoming what it is, which is seeing. Not a seer, not the seer, not the divine seer, but seeing. Seeing. Awareness. That doesn't coagulate into a, one who's aware. It doesn't become a noun. That's why our glasses, the way we look, we're looking at subject-object. Everything that's seen is seen, all right, there's the subject doing something, and now the object's being seen, or felt, or tasted, or touched, or thought about, yeah? That's the form of looking. You can't find it that way. That's its only value, that is you'll get exhausted looking, yeah? You'll get so thoroughly tired of looking that maybe it will collapse, and in that, the looking, the, the seeing will, like, eke out, and the seeing will be noticed, and you'll realize it's always been that way at all times, with no requirement necessary for it to be recognized. It's, in other words, it's totally out in the open. Like they would say, it's an open secret. It's totally out in the open. It's so out in the open, it's the perfect hiding place. Because as we're looking which is seeing, yeah, we're blinded to what's seeing. Because we already believe, we think we know what's seeing, which is me, and I'm the one who's looking. Yeah. So the seeing is actually used to blind you to seeing, because it's called looking. So every moment there's looking, like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. Yeah. It did, he didn't quantify how it had to be looking. It didn't, he didn't say... You have to, you know, after you do a lot of 800 Hail Marys, then that's what you're looking for. That's the what's looking you're looking for. The one that was looking at the church and the crucifix, that's the what's looking. No, he says, what's looking is what you're looking for. With no quantification. In other words, every moment that we believe it's me looking, that's what I'm looking for. But not as the me looking, yes? But as the seeing. The seeing is what I'm looking for. But the way the mind has it interpreted is it's you looking. Yeah? So instead of just being able to look through that and sense the seeing, it makes up a something it calls seeing and makes it an object to it, and now it practices things to try to get seeing. Like you would get something at a store, you know what I mean? If I spend enough hours, and it's all time-based, if I go to enough meetings, to, first you go on a, a weekend retreat, and then, you know, you feel a little better, the carrot in front of the horse is set up, now it's your mind's system says, well, the more the better. I'll sign up for the next 10-day retreat. And then you get do a couple of those, and now it's like the next month retreat. And now it's going to be a three-month retreat. And then it's going to be a three-month retreat with tantric sex in there and some therapies. Or the people after they have the tantric sex can have some therapy. And then on and on, yes? 
And we just keep thinking, if I do it more, and I concentrate harder and longer, I'll, I'll finally get what's looking. <laughs> By looking, no way. Because what's looking isn't looking. It's seen. Yeah. After it's been interpreted, it's what's looking by you. But it's seen. And it's seen exactly as you're looking right now. That's it. In other words, there's nowhere to go, nothing to do, and no requirement necessary to meet it because you're already engaged as it. It's so quick, it takes absolutely no time. can't be approached by a time process because it's timeless. It can't be arrived at because it's everywhere. You can't start to get to know it because that would mean it was somewhere else than right here, at some other time than right now. And you can never end knowing it because it's a timeless message. So it doesn't play the game of time. It didn't come and it's not going. Yeah. It seems so far to this place because this is a mental construction going on. We're living a dream. It's like undifferentiated light, just like that. Let's call that stained glass Paul. And then light, let's say there's just sunlight outside, yeah? Like a beautiful day. Sunlight is just everywhere outside. The sun's up. And yet there's thousands of us like these little stained glass windows. And here we are in a world that's being projected through the stained glass. So this is your subjective experience. This is my subjective experience. So the light goes through me, and let's say my basic mental conditioning is bleak. Yeah, Maybe I, I, the mind tends to lean on the melancholy side. So I have a lot of blue-black in there. So when the light, the sun, shines through and manifests here, it seems to take on the quality of the blue-black, yes? So when I look at something, I don't see it uh, revealed by light, pure light. I see it revealed by a refracted light. So everything starts looking blue or black to me. Yeah. And I take that to be real and solid and the way it is out there. Yet, it's all like a trick that the undifferentiated light's coming through all of us like stained glass windows and then projecting the world for us. And we're having a subjective experience based on the refraction of the light. Yeah. The light is like thousands of panes catching the same individual undifferentiated light. There's, it's not like one light. It's, it's all light. So it's not like there's one light. Yeah. There's all light. And the all light is coming in manifestation. It's not coming anywhere. But it manifests through these prisms, through the stained glass. And now... Part of the stained glass, we're also manifesting. This is part of the manifestation of the stained glass, this. But this little thing becomes the fixed reference, and in the dream, this is taken to be the one who's dreaming. This is taken to be the one who's living. This is taken to be the one who's seeing, yes? Yet, it takes on a sense of being prior to the light, but it's actually not. It's... Uh, it's in the manifestation realm of the light. It's not prior to the light. And yet you see, as soon as there's a sense of light becoming contact with things, the mental process, I'm the one who's seeing. So it's in its claiming that it takes precedence over this what's so. Yeah. In other words, it's down the road in the manifestation, but its claiming puts it prior to 
the light. And now you're the one who's seeing. You're the one who's doing this. You're the one who's doing that. Yeah? And yet, if you just get a sense of it, it's so far, the mental process takes time. Yeah? It's of manifestation. So light comes in, timeless, and the mental process takes a little bit of time here. And then it claims the light as I'm the one who's awake or not awake. Because it has to hold it dualistically. Either I'm really conscious or unconscious. Yes? But it takes all there is, let's say, is awareness. And it takes and it makes experiences of being unaware or very aware. But all the while, it's taking it to be this or that. It loses the sense of it's all there is. Yeah? It's taking it to be this or that. And it's taking it to be a quality it has. I'm very aware. Yes. And then it builds in a little identity in that being a very aware, and then it defends it like crazy. Yes? So once, let's say here, you have thousands of old ideas about being aware. Now, if you think you are aware, you better believe you're going to leave in, in a huge amount of fear of being found out that you're not so aware as you think. Yes? So your, your mind is going to be totally activated by the claiming of that awareness as something it has or is doing, and it's just going to be selfing like crazy around the awareness. Yes? So it's going to be based on what you do or don't do, how aware you are, or what you, you know, yeah? And so you play God, right? The selfing plays God here. Consciousness isn't seen as being what is, it's seen as a quality that you can, may have based on what you do or don't do. That's an incredible theft in a way. To take what is the bringer of all, to take it as a verb you're doing. <laughs> it's really, it's freaking mind-boggling, yes? And when that is set up, that you're the one who's doing everything, everything now that's seen, heard, felt, tasted, or touched, is thrust into this little template. I'm the doer. I'm the subject. And everything's an object to me. So now when you hear a message about pure subjectivity, you make it into an object. Because you're the subject. Yeah? There's no room for pure subjectivity, only as an experience you have as the subject. So if it becomes an experience, it has to take on the qualities of where it's being entertained. Time-based and infrequent for most people. It becomes an experience. And all the experience that you ever allow yourself to have that simulate that sense of awareness is based on you doing or not doing something. So there's a God playing around God, in a sense. Yeah. If you can just start seeing what you're not, there's an incredible freedom in that, yes? Because the interest and attention that illuminates this whole play is really rooted in, it's attracted to, all those refracted frames point in one direction to this one fixed idea called being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. All the light is coming through that little lens, yeah? And for you to work hard at trying to change it is part of that activity of being in, engaged in that lens. To see you're not that is the freedom. Yeah? If you're not that, the whole, the light doesn't change, but the refraction of it changes dramatically. Yeah? So instead of seeing life is happening to you, you see it as life is happening. Totally, incredibly different way to travel. Yeah? Instead of seeing thoughts as yours, or that you're the doer of them, you see them as thoughts. Yeah? Simple as that. And thoughts have a nature, like everything else here. They come and go. Yeah? 
So thoughts come and go. When, do you know where the thoughts come in? Do you reckon someone's thinking about you on, let's say, the mission, and you're starting to come, you're going to duck, and the thought's going to miss you? No, it comes into awareness, yeah? And then it tends to go. What causes it to seemingly stay is the word my. Yeah? When there's an identification as the thought, the whole meaning of the thought shifts dramatically, yeah? So let's say if you have a thousand thoughts today, and they're just thoughts, and so let's say they all weigh something. So let's say each thought weighs an ounce. Yeah? So you have a thousand thoughts today go through your head. So it weighs a thousand ounces. So you've traveled pretty light, yeah? And you're used to traveling with those thousand ounces. Yes. So it seems, yeah, it's no, no, no big deal. Now you change the thought to my thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a thought arises and it's noted, but the mental process after the noting of it claims it by thinking I'm the thinker of it or it's about me or it's about someone that's in relation to me or something in relation to me as the subject. Yes. As soon as that happens, what occurs a lot of meaning is shot into the thought, coming from a vast amount, if you could put it in space, like a giant storage unit of old ideas, dreams of being a historical figure, futures of worry and concern. Yes, the reality and the heaviness and the, the, the authenticity of solid objects and this place is real and these, these real things can affect me. You know, all this, yes. All that meaning gets injected into the thought. Then the thought opens up with all, like a piñata. Yeah, your, your awareness hits it and they all open up and you think something brought it to you. You don't realize it's the mind that's projected those meanings on it. Yeah? And the only way the mind can project them into it is the mind. Is the idea of being identified as the thinker about them or they're about you. Because you called Paul or Steve or Deb or Deb too. All that is is a representation of thousands of old ideas. Yes? A mental realm about the, the validity of past and future. The, the, the authentic sense of you as a body and what could possibly happen to you. Of not getting what you want or losing what you have. Yes? And then it uses this little fixed object and it just moves it around. It's a little mental game board of time. So you think about yourself somewhere else at some other time. You don't, but that's what the mind does, yeah? It takes you as a body and places it in the future and then thinks about what could possibly happen to you. Yeah? Then it goes back, oh, I'm going to think about what did happen to me to validate this worry about what could happen to me because it did happen to me before. Yeah? And it goes through this cycle, yes? And you get this gets placed as a little fixed object, the body, yeah? But it's taken to be the subject, that's what gives you so much fucking importance to it. It actually believes that's what you are. And so it moves you around, and it thinks about you. Yeah? That's called obsession with self. That's what it's like. And for some reason, that thinking causes an incredible irritability, a restlessness, and a discontentment. I would say it's like exquisite mental suffering, because it's like a miracle worker. It's producing tons of effects, yes, through on this body and through this body from a field that doesn't exist. Most people do not, they're not having a fearful moment. They're having an anxious moment. Yeah. Their mind is entertaining something else at some other time 
And now, by its imagining that, it's producing an effect now. Yeah? Because you have to realize, this now, in the mind, isn't now. It, it's bookended with past and future. So the now of the mind, yes, is bookended by the past and future, and the influence of the past and future is incredible on this mental now. There's a now, there's like an eternal now, at the same time, because this is timeless, so it's at all time, but the now most people seem to be in is the now they want to get out of. They want to get out of it incredibly. Yeah? Their whole system is how to think itself out of this. Because this now is infected with all these old ideas and all these future worries. Yes? Yes, in creating fear because the body has an ability, has a, a, a response mechanism that we call fear. Like to me, if you had a certain type of life, maybe 15 times in your life you've actually had the emotion fear. It was time to take flight or fight. But most of us are experiencing a physiological effect that we call fear, but it's produced by mental anxiety. Because there's no, there's no threat right now. Yes? But in the m- mental now, there's tons of threat. Tons of threat cultivated by thinking about the past and the future. Tons of threat in this now. I wanted to get out of this now unbelievably when I was getting loaded. I didn't know that the solution to this was right there. Just like what's looking is what you're looking for. The now that is is not the now that's thought about. The now that is is what I was looking for. The now that I was thinking about was what I was trying to get out of. Unfortunately, they're at the same place at the same time. So I had no idea the solution to the dilemma was right where the problem seemed to be going on. None. It's all it's right in front of us. That's why it's called the open secret. It's just right in front of us right now. It's so damn obvious you don't get it because before it feels like before the looking you were. Yes? That's the feeling the mental process produces. You have a sense of being prior. But in fact, if you look at it, conscious contact is timeless. And then there's time introduced, yes, by mind, and it takes time for the mental process to occur to claim it. So obviously, timelessness in a sense of time would come prior to all time, wouldn't it? So each moment is a moment of timelessness that the mind's constructing time out of. And you appear in time, but what you are is timeless. So we appear seemingly in time, but what we are is timeless. To be identified with what is of time, to try to become timeless is ridiculous. It's to recognize you're not that which is of time, and that's the timelessness. Yeah? Then the now, get the bookends get moved, yes? The past and the future get moved, and the, 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 the timelessness of this now is all there is, yeah? Now there's no more mental bookends. Now you travel lighter, because what you register is not the past and future ideas of this moment, but the moment itself, yeah? It's very convincing. Because it bypasses this little mental realm. 
if you try to get to the now through this now, you're going to be on a path for a long freaking time. You're going to have to purify, you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do that, because you don't seem to be ready for the now. <laughs> and you'll never be ready for the mental now. Yeah, never. But when you recognize, I'm not that, which is appearing to be me, that's that eternal now. So the whole engagement with some kind of journey is just dropped like that. No one dropping it, it just drops. Is that a conscience? It just happens? Is that a conscience? It just happens. It's happening. It, it's not a, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't just happen, it's always happening. See? If it just happened, it wouldn't be it. That would be it just happened to you. No, it's always happening. It's sort of like gravity, yeah? How many people have you heard complain about gravity today? Probably not many at the cafe. Yeah. Over there a lot of days. Gravity really heavy on me. Huh? <laughs> you know? But why is that? And you only know when you sense gravity is the absence of it. Yeah? Then you know what gravity is by its absence, right? When gravity, when you go into like an anti-gravity field, then you, aha! That's now I know I've been under the effects of gravity. Yeah? It's just like people who are in acceptance. Like if, It's only when you think it's too hot that you notice the temperature in the room, or if it's too low, or if it's too cold, yes? You only notice it when there seems to be something off. Just like emotional sobriety and recovery is only noticed when you're not in it. When you flip out and, have an, and you act out, then you know what emotional sobriety was. Because you are traveling really well. But see, in the traveling well, there's this drive by selfing to be the one who notices the traveling well. That doesn't happen. The joy is in not noticing, in a sense. You just There's just a living of it, yeah? You don't get the mental joy of going, oh, I, I've been really traveling well today. It's not there. It's like a dried up fruit. Yeah? It's just like a plastic fruit. It doesn't do any. As soon as it's like, fuck. How, why would you want to stop and notice something that's always so? <laughs> it's just crazy. You, you've already made it into something, yeah? So there's no noticing it. It's like acceptance. You don't notice that you're in acceptance when you're in it. Because everything's cool, yeah? The mind doesn't see things unless there's some kind of aberration, you know? So let's say here gravity's affecting you, and then you know it by its absence. This is the same way. You know selfing by its absence. You never know selfing by selfing. That's all self-knowledge, and it avails you fucking nothing. It's like selfing is claiming knowledge about itself. Yeah? But when you entertain you're not that, you know it by its absence. Yeah? The presence verifies the inherent absence of an idea of being a self. And the, and the conviction isn't up here, which can go either way, right? This thing can be convinced and unconvinced in like two minutes. That's just, because it's a binary system, dualistic. But the convincing occurs somewhere else. Like that's, I like to use it as a gut. You, know? you get convinced down here. And this kind of knowing is different than this kind of knowing. This knowing neuters everything. Before you seemingly meet everything, 
it's actually after you meet it, you've already met it. And then after you meet it, you already think you knew what you met. Yeah? But this kind of knowing puts you in a state of, I don't know, which means you find out. It's a much cooler way to travel. You just don't know. And in that insecurity, it's a mental insecurity, it's a great security. Yeah? Insecurity to me is the highest form of security here in this manifestation. When you're really in the I don't know, it's just the alertness that comes in that state is unbelievable because you're open to finding out. When you think you know something, it deadens you, right? You start getting, it's lazy, it's fucking hell. You know, you, you don't even, you don't even turn over the rock to see what's underneath it. You already have a picture. I know what's underneath it. I don't know. I know what this day is going to be like. I know this. I know that. I know this. I know how I am. I know I'll never be happy. I know blah, blah, blah. That's fucking like neutering everything. But this is like, I don't know. Alertness is really there, and then you find out. And what you find out verifies what you don't know. (laughs) That you'll never know. It verifies what you don't know. What you don't know on one level is how you know. Here, we know things by, you know, I know things. But to know this is I don't know. That's, That's how you know what's so, is I don't know. That's how you know it. If you want to call, if you use the terminology of being here, knowing, how you know it is, I don't know. That's how you know it. Using this terminology, oh, I know you, I know you, I know you. That feeling of believing you know something, yes, I have a good sense of it, and this and that. That feeling, in in this level, is I don't know. That's how you know it. The feeling of knowing it is, I don't know. Yeah? And instead of sort of like causing you to go, okay, I know, and then shutting down all inquiry and, you know, becoming like stagnant, you're alert and you're in, I don't know, and you're finding out. Oh, it's fucking cool. Just like today. Every day. It's a trip. It's just a trip. Yeah? It's just a trip, man. (laughs) I mean, seriously. It's such a cool way to go. I mean, today, just as a joke, <laughs> I told my friend Deb that, you know, everything I ever want, you know, with jackets or clothes, I love to go thrift stores, is I've always got them from thrift stores. Maybe not at the time I wanted them. So, but if I go to a retail place and I buy something very expensive, the next week I find a better thing, super cheap. So we go into this, I had to do this interview with these, this person. And so I went to this, there's a really nice hat shop, I like hats a lot. Went to this hat shop in Fillmore, and we go in there, and they're really nice hats, yeah? And so I try one on, and I'm thinking, hey, and I dad goes, yeah, it looks pretty good. And I'm thinking, I said, you know what, I'm going to put this down. We'll do the interview, come back. And so then there's a thrift store about four blocks away. And this hat, with the hat we were looking at, was a gray hat, Yes? What did I say? I uh, we walk in. As soon as I walk in, I go to the hat stand. There was this Kangle hat. Yeah, I go and it fits. There you go. Okay. How much was it? Nine bucks instead of forty bucks. Oh yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's just funny. Does that mean anything? No, but it's hilarious to me. I just love living like that. Yeah, I just love it. I just love that fucking way. You just open like a little kid. Yeah. Like a little kid. They don't know. They believe in a lot of things you take to be like 
bullshit, but it keeps them quite open, yes? And their minds are open, and they're, and they're just in a phase of finding out, yes? Finding out, finding out, finding out. As soon as the mind, it's, it's imperative to know, comes over us, and it can only come over us as a self. Yeah? As soon as that happens, your life starts getting neutered, doesn't it? It starts, you need more and more shocks to feel like you're alive. I mean, seriously, I used to shoot coke in my neck because it was, took too long to get to my brain, to my heart. I wanted to get there instantaneously. Man, it was, it was like hell not having it quick quicker. I swear. I mean, if you look at that, that behavior actually demonstrates there must be something that's driving you to get out of where you think you are. Yeah, pretty incredibly, to have to do stuff like that. This is just another way of looking at it. And for me, it all started to unravel when I entertained I was not that which I was taking myself to be. Yeah? Then all the weight of the thought stream got lesser. Yeah. And it was no like it wasn't a canal system anymore. It just had a little natural sense of streaming. Yes. And my interest, instead of being totally absorbed in life as how it happened to me, started getting distributed into life happening. Yeah. And then this overall feeling of okayness and, and traveling lighter set in, and there was no time frame on it because it wasn't based on what I did or didn't do. I was totally taken out of the equation, and it wasn't based on doing and having. Yes. So therefore, when I came into recovery, in you know, you have a concept of a higher power. They always say uh, a higher power of your own understanding. But what I quickly discovered is I want a higher power of its own understanding. Yeah. If I try to frame a higher power, it's going to be a very weak higher power. But if I can give up playing God, and allow God to reveal itself to me, yeah? allow God to reveal its expression of me, let's try it. Give it a shot. And I'll tell you, the joy of it is so much cooler. First of all, once you're not an object, there's not much to think about. You can't think about spirit. It's impossible. Yes? So all you can think about is an object. And if you're not that then the system, even though it's still doing its systemhood, the whole juice of it has been extracted. Yes, All that interest and attention that was giving it all of its production value, because it's a really shoddy production. What makes all this stuff look so incredibly bonding is the audience. It's the mind. The mind sitting there, yes, in that system thinking it's a self, is what causes the seeming bondage. Not this. Not thoughts, not things that happen to you, none of that. The meaning that's given to yeah, that's what bonds you, seemingly. So I'm coming out! <laughs> See, the whole point is, you don't even have to. It can stay, it can stay just like this. That's the whole fucking point. You think, oh, this makes me free. No, nothing makes me free or unfree. That's the whole point. That's the real freedom. Yeah? You're free from the need to be free. It's all seen to be time, like mind stretching out through time and space manifesting. Mind like dreaming. 
It's it's the the uh, the juice of the dream manifests in time and space. So sort of like this becomes all of that, yes. But it's all mind, all mind. So the solution is at every and any point of the problem manifesting. At any and every point, the solution is available at all times. Timelessness with a structure of time and space on it, or appearing in it. Where would I have to be in this appearance to access what's always so? Nowhere and everywhere, anywhere. Yes. Would it take any time? No. All we need is an invitation. Your mind is incredible. It's not yours, but the mind is incredible. The mind's ability to entertain is unbelievable. What makes a hell? Is there a hell, or is it the mind? The mind makes the hell. The mind makes the heaven. The ability to entertain is unbelievable. If it's entertaining through this prism of self, then everything it entertains is defined by the system it's entertaining through. So, a solution has to take time. You won't be okay now, you will be okay maybe. Yeah, it's going to have to take some time. I'm going to have to purify and get over whatever happened to me in the past. I'm going to let have to unravel the past in this presence for me to have a better future. This is how it manifests, Yes. But all the while, prior to that manifesting, is what's so. During the manifesting, is what's so. Permeating it all, is what's so. So entertain what you're not. See it. Just, well, just maybe try it. If you have a thought, you know, First of all, you maybe you can ask, who is it that has the thought? That would might be nice. But when you, when a thought's held, see, thousands of thoughts, you don't see the conditional embrace or the posture underneath it. You're the thinker of it, or they're about you. That's the that's the structure, not the thoughts. It's how the thoughts are held. The thoughts are held as an activity that someone is doing, yeah, or that this activity is doing something to a someone. That's, that's the posture. This idea of stopping thoughts is crazy. Just to see that I'm not the thinker, or they're not about me, yes? Or the me they're about isn't me, yes? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Check it out. See it. Uh, oh, you go through that door, and then to the, make a right and a left really fast. You're welcome. We'll wait for you. <laughs> we'll have a pause. It's like a workout. Just entertain. You're not the thinker. And you find out. 
You don't have to accept it. Yes? Accepting would be doing it again, wouldn't it? This is just entertaining the information. Let it go in and see what what happens. Yeah. Find out. This is not saying anything. It's not saying you've got to accept this or not. No, just entertain, entertaining. Entertain it and see what downloads. See what what becomes so for you. Yeah? And you'll find out. And it will, you know, for me, it translated as an ease and comfort here. I would say that's pretty much a, uh, authenticating its relevance. Yes? Yeah?
that's your true state is being out of the body. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe that's the true state. And you're calling it an experience you had. <laughs> but the real experience is being in a body. <laughs> and that was your real, not your real state, but that state is revealed and of course the self claims it as, no, this is the, this is the, this is the relevant. I'm always in this state, and I had this experience of being out of this state. Maybe that's what we are, is that out of this state, and, when, and there's an experience of being in this state going on. You know what I mean? You know how we call our home something we visited, and we call what we visit what we're visiting our home. Yeah? So when you're at home, you think that's a visitation, and you immediately buy your round-trip ticket back to where you're visiting, and you call that home. What would happen if the mind is... That's the whole thing, like when you do service, and then you sense a, an availability. Yeah? You feel bigger or larger. People give it a lot of names, but for me, they're talking about being available. You come out of the self, you know, the ass of self, and then you're helping someone. And then when you feel that availability, then there's, sense of a, there's a sense of presence. And yet then the head usually claims it and says, I have this incredible sense of my higher power after I did service. And yet the same template is in place, so you go back into selfing, and then you've got to do some more service to get out of self, as we call it, and then feel available and sense the presence. What would, and then usually, though, you would call that an experience, a very unusual one you've had, and you go back to your usual reality of being this. What would happen if that presence is you? Yeah? And that would mean you're always available, because how could you not be if you're present? <laughs> Yeah? And if you're always available, aren't you of service? Yeah? It's a whole different realm, isn't it? Here you're in, identified as this. This seems to produce an unbearability, so we found methods to get a little relief from it called doing service. We do service to get out of self. We feel the sense of getting out of self, which feels like I'm available, finally, to someone other than me. And I sense the higher power, or the presence of God, or the spirit moving me, whatever you call it. Yeah? Yet, there's the mental retreating back into me. So I just had this incredible experience called the presence of God. Yet, you are that presence of God, let's say. And that this is the experience, in a sense, you're having. <laughs> Instead of having it, the shoe pointing that way, turn the shoe around. Maybe you're thinking you're going out. In a sense, this is coming in. Yeah? We're coming into time. And yet... The going out is timeless. And yet when we get a sense of timelessness or the absence of self, the self tells a story about it in time. I had this incredible out-of-body experience. No, you didn't have that experience. That experience was claimed by the mental process. What happened was you got a nice free sample. Yeah? So what was real becomes an experience in unreal. Instead of seeing the real in a sense, maybe having an experience called unreal. Yeah? You know what I mean? Switch the unreal and the real. Say, maybe that's real. Like, that's what happened with me. I would be doing service, and this one night, once again, I was doing service, and I felt that availability, and I sensed a presence, but at that time, my mind went ding! And instead of carrying the flag to claim this experience and bring it back to the fixed reference, the flag was stuck in the presence, and it was like a recognition. Hey, I'm that! I'm that which I thought I was having an experience of. Immediately, my access to that became unbelievably available because now it wasn't available to me, 
which makes it unavailable, yeah? But it was just available because that's its nature. So it was like, instead of having to do something, to have a sense of that space, it was realized there's nothing that's needed to be done because all there is is that space. Yeah? But not to me. If it's to me, it's got to be an experience. It's got to be a phenomena. That, see, what would happen if that was always the case? Then you'd realize this is the dream, being in a body. But it was cast, in, that timeless moment was cast into time, and it seems to be like a peak moment, very infrequent, and now the continuum of time has a sense of being real. Trudging, you know, time, time. Yet, that's real. The timelessness is the reality. Yeah? You think you have, you're having a chock-full, long life in time. It's, it's time. In timelessness, you know, if you could compare timelessness to time, timelessness is a whole lot longer than time is. Yeah? So we're going like, we're, take, we're calling ourselves the short end of the stick. And yet there's this huge stick of absence of self that we're thinking is an experience I had. <laughs> as a self. And the selfing will claim its own absence, obviously. In fact, this is what we're calling this dream. This is the mind claiming its own absence and making up a story in this place called time and space of me having a life, yeah? It may be, if you compared it, it may be almost, you couldn't even possibly see it with the strongest microscope. But because we're so obsessed, it seems like it's all there is. Yet it's not even a dot on the context of everywhere and always. <laughs> you see how much attention and interest we give it? It's like unbelievable. Our microscope makes everything so small seem so large and can't notice what's super large. I can't see it. Where's open secret? What do you mean by an open secret? It's right in front of you. What? I can't fucking see it. Exactly. <laughs> That's the message. What? The message is nothing. <laughs> no, I want something. Okay, there's thousands of places. Go get something. How much something have you gotten? A whole lot of it. What has it done? Nothing. <laughs> Why don't you just go right to the essence of all something, which is nothing? Get nothing. See how that works for you. A whole lot of something ain't working, is it? No. Turns into nothing. So go to nothing immediately, and that may turn into something. Yeah, maybe in the life travel a lot easier. Nothing is it. That's the most potent juice of all. No thing. Yeah. It's...
And now it's sort of enjoying that fall. It's riding it. Yeah. So what to mind is a huge threat, like its absence. To that, that's the joy. So if there's not an identification of what's really afraid of going there, that's the really... See, there's no going there. The going there is the sense of being the one who's afraid. If you just open up, that's what so is always is right there. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have, if you don't pledge allegiance to the fear, the mind going, oh, I can't take this. It's like fucking great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's see, let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I had these strange things happen when I was in the hospital. You mind if I? T- it's a good story. Yeah, put on line. I got run over by a car twice. No, it's on the other side. I think. Twice in one night and stuff. And so they put me in the hospital, and I, they must have gave me the wrong uh, thing because I was an opiate mm-hmm. user. So I went into like hallucinogenic states. So this one, and they would they would build on each each time. So I learned I could fly. Then I learned I could fly through people. And I was actually doing like this. I was trying to share it. Like I'd be hovering on these, in these bars and clubs telling people, you've got to wake up. I don't know exactly what you've got to do, but there's something you're missing or whatever. And I feel like it's like crazy. So I, and I, I had saw videos. I had a spiritual teacher, an Indian guru. I saw tons of videos that were never produced with him and his family. Like hours and hours of them, yeah. So this one time I flew down to where he was. He was in Florida giving a talk. So I flew down there. So I, of course, when I appeared, I created quite a ruckus. You know? People were like, hey, hey. And there was families. He had a family, and everyone there had family. Yeah, little kids. So I was flying around the, you know, the, the wall, and I, I said, don't worry, I can fly right through you. And I go right through people. And I landed next, I landed on the die where he was with his family. And I remember, I can't get it right, but I looked at him with all the spiritual longing that you could ever possibly have. And I was just beseeching him, hey, tell me the truth, you know? What do I need to do? And it, he just smirked a little bit. And it, he didn't say anything, but telepathically I got that. He says, you're too complex to get it. You know? <laughs> yeah. And everything, everything my whole world was dependent on couldn't embrace what he was sharing. Can't get it. Can't pick it up. I can't hold it. I can't, you know, claim it. I can't wrestle it. Yeah. And I got the the truth of that, and I started to really cry. It was like incredible, like a death blow, so to speak. You know. And I was just because I got, I started crying, and I was really freaking flipped out. And so he gave me some money. Yeah, oh, a plane ticket. So then I appeared back on my hospital bed, and I started asking the nurses, where's that plane ticket? And I looked all around the thing, the beds, you know, the pillows, and the ki- and there was no plane ticket. So I went back, I closed my eyes, and went back down, flew back down, yeah. and then I flew around, I showed him again, and he gave me money this time. Gave me a big, like a lot of money. And he says, yeah, come back, come back down to Miami. So I woke up in the bed again, and I'm looking for the money. I thought the nurses may have stolen it. Where's that money? I just had this whole money. I was going to go to Miami. And they go, oh, yeah, they're probably shooting me up with more drugs. And so I went down a third time. And this time, they were holding me 
yeah, in this place by the legs, and the nurses were pulling me up to that other realm. And it was sort of like what you said. There was this question, should I stay or should I go? And I chose to go up to that reality, the dream, the hospital, and I never had another one of those dreams. It became real to me, the hospital stay. Yeah? It was trippy as hell. But I had that pulling. The ones were pulling me this way, stay with us. The other was, no, come here. And I just went with them. Bad mistake. (laughs) (laughs) But there's no one to make it, so. (laughs) So, yes, maybe that experience of being out of the body was a a free sample of the state that's actually so. Maybe this is the dream of being in a body. There's no you out of the body, and there's no you in the body. Yeah? There's no you, period. That structure, that noun, doesn't appear. Yeah? It's a story. It cannot be created. It's all there is is verbing. No nouns come from verbing. All there is is verbing. All there is is seeing. There's no seer or seeing. Yeah? All there is is seeing. 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 So anytime... When the, the thought system is always going to imply or include a you. Every bit of it, every time it appears in thoughts and it feels like it's you, that's selfing. Yeah? Every time. It cannot present truth to you through thought. It cannot present truth as you through thought. Yeah? So that feeling of being the you that's conjuring up this idea is just that. It's contrived and made up. You are nothingness, not to be seen, heard, felt, tasted, or touched. You know by I don't know. You'll recognize the fruit from the tree by finding out. Yes? By finding out. This fruit will intimate the tree. You'll never know the tree. How could you? It would be an object to you. You get a little bit of it? It's a different way of knowing, not the way the mind structure. That's that's the form of looking, yeah? It cannot, no matter how much it looks, it'll never see. Never fucking see. Yeah. I think I like this. I'm going to bring this with me. A sense of space. Then I'll have like little demon heads on each thing. Yeah. The forces. Huh? A puppy. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I can sell some animals to little pets. Huh? You think so? Yeah. yeah. Non-dual pet shop. Once you buy it, don't bring it back. <laughs> so we'll pass the hat. The hat I got at the thrift store. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny today. Did anyone call you about getting a ride? Like me? I have the I have your wrong number. We've been calling someone that says it's he's Mark, but it's not getting through. Give me the number again, please. Well, you would have known because you would have gotten the message. So I mustn't be calling the right number. Yeah. Did you get my message? Uh, 
got the whole wrong number, I swear. It's so funny. Who gave me the number? No, no, no. So he did. What's your name? Emmett. Emmett, haven't we seen you before, right? Yes, you. Yes, good. How are you? Good. Good. What? Awesome. Good. Great. Good, bro. I'm happy you showed up. I do have a question for you. Yes. Um, you said a couple times in your um, talk about um, purifying. And yeah. um, with all the, you know, thoughts that are produced, um, methods of purification. Are you an AA? Oh, yeah. There you go. That's all you need. Okay. It's a way of life. All you know, purification is no, I don't, I'm not into purification. But in functioning, mm-hmm. yes, in manifestation, you may need some corralling. Yeah, and AA is a broad, beautiful way to live a life. Yeah, that allows you to, gives you a little more space to entertain, like verticalness. Yes, because you're not trying to survive consequential level all day. Yeah. So there, obviously, there's nothing you need to do, and yet here it may seem like you need to do it. I haven't met many active junkies who are traveling lighter. Just haven't. (laughs) You know what I mean? It just doesn't seem to equate. Yeah. And if they have this message, it's just, it's flimsy. It's not, it's not, it doesn't hold water in a sense. So there is a validity to this place when you're thinking you're here. And our program has a lot of sound principles that allows a very large foundation to be set where anything can happen on you know. Yeah. So. And if you want to talk about purification, in some circles they think that one of the greatest spiritual sadhanas or practices is active drug addiction and, and drinking. If you can survive that, you've had some damn fucking good lessons beat into about any life run on self will not be successful. Self is what has defeated us. I mean, if you want to talk about you need to be convinced in technicolor, that's a pretty good way to be an active alcoholic and addict here. <laughs> I mean, life will kick your ass unbelievably. Yeah? I mean, if, you're, if any message you're going to get through, that pummeling should allow one to get through, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't know if you were in a subjective hell like the one I was experiencing, but it was pretty a profound uh, uh, mental place that I'd rather not visit. Mm-hmm. Totally. To hell. So, what produced that hell? A lot of variables. A lot of variables. AA takes care of a lot of a, a number of those variables, and it's sort of like having a big dog that's finally asleep. So now you can you get the run of your house. But if the big dog wakes up, you're going to be cleaning up after it, walking it, feeding it. It's going to it's going to take a lot of your time and attention. Yeah. But now that the dog's asleep, you can sort of entertain other things or no thing if you like. So. We have a real sound way of living here in this place where, and a lot of opportunity to get out of self, to weaken that hold by serving. And we're never going to have a lack of people who need to be served, alcoholics and addicts. It's a never-ending factory. Tons of misery being produced as we sit here. Yeah? So, I mean, I think it's a great way of life. So, we'll end with the serenity prayer. Thank you, everyone, for coming. If anyone's looking for a t-shirt, or a Zen Bishlap t-shirt, or a Zen Monk shirt, I have, a, I have one in the car.
Thank you.